be seated. It is a good morning again if I haven't had a chance to meet you. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church and uh, so thankful that you're here with us. And I want to uh, just uh, give a word of welcome and uh, to you who are gathering with us online. I'm always, uh, it's fun for me to kind of go back through and see your comments as uh, you've uh, been participating in worship. And uh, so uh, just uh, want to say good morning to you and, and welcome you that are uh, with us vicariously. You can't see probably if you're online um, as you who are in the building. You notice every week it's probably like a little bit of a fun game for you to just see what we've changed in the week. Um, But we added TVs this week. We added uh, some more paint and Christmas lights. And um, slowly but surely we're making this our home. And uh, we're so thankful for your faithfulness and giving and just being a part of this church that allows us uh, to make this beautiful property uh, more uh, just fitting for us as uh, a church family. Um, And this morning is a special morning. We have been walking through the sermon. On the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is the text that we are in right now. And uh, you heard from Kent last week, by the way. I had, I'm so thankful for our elder team that can jump in and can teach and can lead us in worship. Um, as uh, I was away um, in Roswell, New Mexico, at uh, my friend uh, Aaron Collier and his wife Krista, their church, First Baptist Roswell. And it was a joy to be there with them as their church has um, just taken the initiative and the, the passion for um, church planting and building the kingdom of God in their city and around the world so faithfully and they invited me to come and speak and just share about our church and our story and more than that just to challenge them and and, and encourage them sort of fan the flame as they um, continue to be faithful in their their ministry to plant churches in their city and so uh, so missed you guys but grateful to be back and we've been working our way through as I said the Sermon on the Mount And Jesus has taught us through this uh, message uh, that he gave to his disciples um, in these first opening verses as we were sort of uh, about halfway through chapter 5 or almost through the the end of chapter 5 now. The tangible evidence, so what what it looks like to be a Christian. Uh, We worked our way through the Beatitudes, these marks of a Christian, these defining attributes of a Christian. And um, and then he told us that we are the salt and light of the world, that we are um, sent here with a purpose to slow the decay in the dying world and also to bring light into the darkness. And so it's uh, fitting that today, you know, these days we have a day for everything. Um, And this Sunday uh, we are celebrating, honoring, sort of reminding ourselves uh, about the call to care for orphans, Orphan Sunday. Uh, Unlike National Ice Cream Day or Brother-in-Law Day or any of those other days, this day actually matters. Um, It's important that we consider this. And so it really fits within uh, sort of a church calendar. And um, I I don't know who decided this, but at some point many, many years ago, November was sort of set apart as Adoption Awareness Month. And uh, this Sunday in November was set aside uh, for churches to just remind ourselves. And I say remind because this is not a one Sunday calling. This isn't something that we just look at this time of year, but it's something that we should should carry throughout the year and look up uh, and see upon our lives um, every day. And as I said, connecting with what Jesus has taught us about what it means to be a Christian. James one twenty seven says that pure religion is this, that you would care for orphans and widows. And so there's this connection to our faith and how we live out that faith. And this is something that we've done, by the way, if you're new with us, since our church began, since the beginning. 
The very first guest preacher that we had at our church was my friend Jason Johnson, who came and taught us and spoke to us about the calling to care for orphans. And one of the things that he said is that we're not all called to do the same thing, but we are all called to do something. And there's been so much fruit that I've seen and just rejoiced over in our church family as uh, many conversations flowed from that. And we've had other people come and share and speak. And um, I think of uh, the, the Owens family that uh, really stepped up and just help, has helped our church sort of lead out in this area of having classes and walking with people as they engage in caring for orphans and foster ministry and the like. And so we are reminded um, this morning... Um, of our calling to care for orphans, and I'm really excited uh, that you're going to get to hear from Justin and Laura Bexley this morning. And Justin and Laura are going to share their testimony about how God has worked in their life um, through the foster care uh, ministry and just their hearts for foster care. And so I'm going to invite them to come up now and just share a testimony with us about how um, they've seen God at work. So welcome, Justin and Laura. Big step. Good morning, church. Um, So my name is Justin. This is my wife, Laura Bexley. And before we jump in, uh, we've been a certified foster family for about a year and a half. Uh, And before we jump in, I just want to frame our testimony that um, everything we share this morning is about God working in us and should in no way be a credit to us. Uh, Isaiah 64, 6 says, our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And this is definitely true of our story. Uh, We hope everything we share this morning brings glory to God um, and just pushes you towards seeing his goodness and his faithfulness. So the idea of foster care and adoption came up after we had been married for about a year. One night we were talking about how taking a child into your family and just being able to love on them was such a powerful way to share the gospel and share God's love with a child in need. And so this conversation stuck with us and then would periodically pop back into our minds. Uh, Fast forward a few years and we just had our daughter, Anna. And we were starting to see the blessing of our church coming around us and helping us as we, uh, as we learned parenting uh, and kind of were able to see the benefit of community in our lives. Uh, one Sunday, Ryan preached on adoption. And like he shared, uh, Chris and Tori Owen shared their testimony. And that really pushed adoption back to the forefront of our minds. Uh, we continued from there to really feel the Holy Spirit move and pushing us to find out more information and um, try and seek how to get plugged into this ministry. I think sometimes we have an idea of what we want to do to bring God glory and kind of how we think he's going to do it. And uh, our experience, and oftentimes I think in most people's lives, uh, God has a very, very different and a much better plan. Isaiah 55, 9 says that God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. And there was definitely conflict in us. We had a six-month-old at home. Uh, By no means we're parenting experts, uh, still aren't today. Uh, But uh, we really felt God telling us that I have a different plan for you. I have a better plan for you. So there was one Sunday when I was sitting in the church service and I was thinking, we're crazy. We're doing this all wrong. I was thinking about the foster families and adoptive families that I knew. And they had uh, had biological kids and had let them get a little bit older and then had entered into that ministry. And so I left the service and I went down to our childcare area and I met Mindy Hyatt. And Mindy was new to our church and she was telling me about her kids. And she has biological daughters and adopted daughters and a biological son interspersed and woven through her family. And so it was just so cool because it was an immediate redirection from God of my doubts just 30 minutes earlier. God doesn't call us as Christians to live a comfortable life, a logical life, or even a safe life. 
Uh, Francis Chan in his book, Crazy Love, summarizes this. He says, God calls us to trust him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we would be in trouble if he doesn't come through. So we called our parents, and keep in mind we had a six-month-old at home, um, and we told them that we were going to jump into the foster care ministry and take one to two kids between the ages of zero and five. And it was weird to us. They were not as excited about it as we were. Um, and that definitely created tension. All four of our parents are Christians, and they all four love the Lord. But it just their their idea of our lives and family plan was different than what we felt like God was calling us to. Um, but through that tension, we really were able to lean further on the Lord and further into his plan. Um, and God was faithful in that area. Uh, as time went on, our parents' hearts have been softened to the ministry. So when we were getting ready to take our first placement, I felt very sure that we were going to get a brand new baby girl and we were going to get to adopt her and I was going to match hers and Anna's bows and clothes and it was going to be really great. <laughs> and God had other plans. So our first placement was a 17-month-old boy named AJ and our daughter Anna was 21 months at the time. So it was almost like we had twins except for I didn't know one of my twins. Uh, AJ's arrival was definitely a whirlwind. Uh, people told us it was going to be difficult in those first couple weeks, and we try to keep a positive attitude. Uh, any of you know Laura, you know she's very positive. So we try to keep a positive attitude, and we're like, ah, oh, we'll figure this out. Uh, it was definitely just as difficult as advertised. Uh, we really felt like we had no idea what we were doing, but uh, we just were doing the best we could to try to love him and meet his needs. Second Corinthians twelve nine says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And this time definitely forced us to rely on the Lord for, for that patience and selflessness we needed to really love him. Uh, we, we knew if we relied on our own strength, we would inevitably fail. Hebrews 10.23 says, he who promises faithful. And as we talked about earlier, our families were a little bit resistant to the idea of foster care early on. Uh, God's timing could not have been any more perfect, as crazy as it, as it seemed at the time. Uh, five days after AJ arrived, my brother was getting married. And uh, our families are both very close, having grown up in the same church. Um, so every single one of our immediate family members was going to be at the wedding. So for those of you who don't know how a 17-month-old and a wedding interact, um, how that goes, there's about a 10-minute period where AJ bit my brother-in-law and he threw a fork at my sister. Uh, so things were going pretty well. Um, amidst all of that chaos, though, God was really softening our family's hearts to foster care through seeing this, this sweet little boy. Uh, AJ was with us for about three months before he went back to his dad. And one of the things I think we often hear from people is, I couldn't do foster care because I'd get so attached. I, I just wouldn't be able to let the child leave my home. And by no, by no means, it's definitely difficult. It's absolutely difficult when a child leaves your home. Uh, but in my experience, God's faithfulness is even more evident to us when we're in that valley. And for us, God has been incredibly near and incredibly present when AJ, when AJ went back and when our second placement, Maddox, went back. God has been incredibly near, and that grief has drawn us closer to him. And it's forced us to really rely on him for strength and not our own strength. So about a month after AJ left, um, we found out that I was pregnant. And selfishly, we had wanted to grow our family biologically, and we figured that we could come back to the call of foster care when it just made a little more sense. And if you're not noticing, the common theme in our story is that God had other plans. And so about two months later, I had a miscarriage, but God was so faithful and to redirect us during that time and then just so near and present to us. So we found ourselves in the hospital one night about two months later and we got into the sonography room and the song thy will be done by hillary scott was playing and that song is about her singing of a miscarriage of her own and deciding to follow god and just trust his plan for her life in the midst of that situation 
And so we began to talk to the sonographer, and um, we found out that she had a one-year-old boy at home that she was getting ready to adopt. She had been fostering him for a while, and we just thought that was so amazing because as our plans were ending, um, God was just softly reminding us, hey, I still have this plan for you. Hey, here's someone to kind of come alongside and encourage you during that time. So we got back to our hospital room, and it was like 2.30 in the morning, and we didn't really have anything else to do, so we decided to do our Bible studies. And both of us had been working through different Bible studies at that time, and my study was on Genesis 1, when God is telling Adam and Eve that he that to go and be fruitful and multiply. And I turned to Justin and commented how ironic it was in the current situation that that was my Bible verse that I was reading for the day. And he replied that his Bible study that night was in Genesis 15, where God promises Abram that he would have more descendants than stars in the sky. Um, And I thought that was so cool. And I don't think that God was necessarily promising us in that time that we were going to have a lot of kids, but he was redirecting our hearts to be able to see how many kids we could love on and have an impact through, through the ministry of foster care. So with God's redirection, we went back on the foster care list shortly after that. And for our next placement, we had prayed a lot that God would allow us to minister to the biological family as well as the child. So in March of this year, we got a placement, and he was a three-month-old boy named Maddox. And due to COVID, Maddox's parental visits became virtual. And so that turned into me talking to Maddox's dad 30 minutes once a week on Zoom because Maddox was so young. Um, And that was just another really cool situation to be able to see that God had answered that prayer in a way that we totally could have never imagined. Um, But through those conversations, we were able just to ask Maddox's dad how we could be praying for him and hear out his story um, and try to love on him virtually from a distance the best that we could. So the biggest goal of foster care, of course, is ministering to the child is in your home. Uh, But we believe God calls us to treat every relationship in our lives as an opportunity to share the gospel and to minister uh, to others. So as, as Christians, if we believe that Christ died for all, and that all sin can be forgiven as foster parents. We're definitely called to love the biological family and not just the children that are in our home. Uh, so the goal of the foster care system is to reunite families. And as Christians, we know that the only thing that can redeem what is completely broken is the gospel. And so uh, for that reason, of course, we try to love the families and share the gospel with them. Because obviously, in order for the, for the family to be redeemed, they need to hear the gospel too. Um, it's definitely radical to the world to take a child into your home. But it's an even more radical picture of the gospel to the world to see you loving uh, the biological parents who have wronged the very children that are, that are in your home. When Maddox returned to his dad, um, there was another sign of God's faithfulness in this ministry. As our parents seemed just as emotionally invested in Maddox as we did, um, I can't begin to explain to you the shift in conversation from two years ago with our families until now. Um, It's very evident that God has softened their hearts to foster care as they loved Maddox just as well as they love our daughter, Anna, which was the biggest blessing for us in this ministry. One of our biggest learnings uh, during this last year and a half is just when God calls you to something outside of your comfort zone, uh, he's always faithful to equip you. And in our story, God just resoundingly answered every single doubt we had as to why we wouldn't enter into foster care. Um, One of our biggest concerns, as you might imagine, is just the impact this would have on our daughter, Anna. And even at three years old, I really think that foster care is teaching her that being a follower of Christ means not living a safe life. It means taking risks to spread the gospel, and it means... Uh, really putting the needs of others before yourself and loving them before you, before your own desires. 
Uh, like ministry often seems to do, foster care has definitely revealed areas in my life where I'm selfish, I'm impatient, um, and where I'm not fully surrendered to Jesus. And foster care has definitely stretched me, and it's just reminded me how much I need Jesus to be patient and to selflessly love others the way the Bible calls us to. Through foster care, my faith and relationship with God has really grown. Um, When we got into foster care, as I had mentioned, I was looking at it as a way to grow our family. Um, And I wanted to follow God's call into foster care, but I wanted for it to look the way that I wanted to do it. Um, And clearly, I was wrong. And I had my own ideas about what foster care would look like, even as we were jumping into something that's so unpredictable. Um, But through the placements that we've had and through my miscarriage and just through the peace and redirection that God keeps giving us, um, I have now surrendered that desire and and just my plan over to him. Um, And what's funny is that I wanted to hold on to my own plan so badly because I thought that it would bring me peace. But having submitted my desires to him, I have more peace now when I've given up all control, um, which is just really cool to, to be on the other side of that. Job twenty two twenty one says, submit to God and you will have peace. And I've definitely experienced that in my own life. James one twenty seven says that pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And hopefully what you've heard today is that God often pushes us where we don't expect to go um, and sometimes even where we don't want to go. Um, if you feel conviction from the Holy Spirit to minister through foster care, we would really encourage you not to push that aside. Uh, God will not send you into something that he doesn't equip you to do. And I would encourage you too, uh, from our story, is don't make assumptions on whether or not foster care might be right for you. You know, pray about that and, that, and seek seek the Lord in that as opposed to assuming in our case, it didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, we had a six month old at home. It didn't make a lot of logical sense, but God was faithful. Um, we both realize not everyone's going to be called as, as Ryan mentioned to actually foster children in their home, but the Bible is very clear. This is a mandate, right? This is not an option as Christians to love orphans. And so, uh, in our experience, there's just been countless examples. Even as I look out in this room of people who have just loved our family well and have, found ways to really encourage us and support us as we've gone through this journey. And so we'd be remiss if we didn't just say thank you to our church family. Um, but I also just would encourage you to pray and seek opportunities as to how you can minister to orphans. Even if it's not fostering a child, there's countless ways for you to really answer this call. A few ways that you can meet the needs of foster families, um, one of them would be to do respite care. So a respite care provider would go through a full certification, and then they would watch a foster family's placement for um, 72 hours, so a long weekend or up to a week if for some reason the family needs to go somewhere and can't bring the child with them. Another way that you can serve is essentially signing up to be like a babysitter for foster families. Um, That is something that Justin and I have found that it's hard because we need to do something and we can't ask our normal babysitters to watch our kids, and we can't even ask our adult friends to watch our kids because they don't have the clearance. Um, The process is super simple. You fill out a form, you do a background check, and you get fingerprinted, but it serves as a huge blessing to foster families when they need someone. And then the third way would just be coming alongside foster families when they get a placement. When a new kid rolls into your home, everything just seems very chaotic. And so um, uh, signing up to bring meals or dropping off diapers or clothes or just whatever the foster family needs at the time uh, can be such a blessing to them as well. There are a number of adoptive and foster families here in our church, so you can feel free to talk to them or talk to us after the service about ways to get plugged into this ministry. 
we pray that God's hand in his work is just evident in our testimony. Uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to share our story. Wow. What an amazing story. And, um, you know, as they shared, so uh, such a joy to, to, as I look around the room um, and uh, think about so many families who, uh, like them, have been faithful and uh, stepped forward in faith to adopt or care. And, um, you know, I, I need to grab their notes, but I hope you, there, there were so many uh, statements that they made that were just invaluable to us as Christians. Um, so much so that uh, I, I'm going to do something I don't often do. Um, we're not going to open back up to Matthew chapter 5 today. Um, I, I just feel uh, compelled that we just need to pray and uh, thank God for that testimony. But then also just to reflect. You know, they talked about how their lives were bathed in prayer. Every step that they took was covered in prayer. Um, you heard uh, their um, just their attunement, their knowledge of the scriptures and how they look to the word of God to be directed in their path. Um, and how the church rallied around them and how they were obedient to just step forward out of obedience, not because they knew the result. And so often, wherever you are in life, I can just tell you that God is asking for obedience. He is not asking you to control the outcome or the result. He's just asking for obedience. And so um, I just want to ask Matt to come up, and we're just going to spend a few moments in prayer before we receive communion this morning and we remember how we were adopted as sons and daughters um, through Christ. Um, And uh, I just want to just invite you, and even in your homes, would you just bow your heads, and um, I'm just going to lead us through just a few moments of prayer. And, uh, and ask that you would just seek the Lord and just be, a, be attentive uh, to what God is speaking um, to you today. And as uh, Justin said, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now, and whatever that means, do not push that away. It might not even be at all related to caring for children or orphan care or foster care. It might be a relationship that needs to be reconciled. It might need to be you just submitting your life to Christ for the very first time out of hearing from their obedience. I don't know how God could take their words. I literally, I, I could take their notes and we could do an entire sermon series just working through a few of the things that they shared. Um, but let's just ask the Spirit of God to just seal what we heard this morning, um, to just continue to work in our lives um, as we... Uh, seek him. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are God, that we are not. You have a perfect plan and purpose for everything that you do. And we rejoice that in knowing that, We also know that you've invited us into your purposes to accomplish the things that you intend to accomplish here on earth. You you work through us. You use us. You allow us to be a part. And I'm just so thankful, Lord, that you do that. That we're able to just see you writing beautiful stories of redemption and reconciliation and healing. Especially this morning as we consider 
the least of these, the orphan, the child. So first, God, we just collectively gather our hearts together right now. We thank you for the testimony that we just heard. We thank you for Justin and Laura. We thank you that they themselves testify they're they're not super Christians. They're not better than any one of us. They are simply obedient and faithful servants of an almighty God. And so we thank you for their obedience and their humility to come and share what you've been doing in their lives through them with us. Spirit of God, we ask that you would take what we have heard this morning from Justin and Laura. And I know in my mind, I'm just filtering through statements that they made, statements that are supernatural, that natural men and women don't make, only only people submitted to you would make. And um, again, I thank you for them, but I just pray that that conviction that I'm feeling right now, that we are feeling, we just, would you just... Let those words just sort of marinate in our hearts. Bring them to mind right now. Let us just wrestle with you and just hear from you even fresh and again. Just, Lord, whatever it was that you spoke to, our brothers and sisters here in the room or online gathered with us, would you just um, sort of magnify that? Blow that up in our hearts right now, Lord. We want to hear more from you. for a testimony of obedience. And just how that can impact us all. Again, you call us to care for orphans. So in some way, we are all called this morning to a step of obedience. You also call us to be ministers of reconciliation, to be salt and light to a dying and dark world to to love our neighbors as ourselves these aren't hard things Lord the reason they're hard for us is because we measure the results and so I just pray that you'd help us in whatever you're calling us to and and however right now you're specifically speaking to each individual and family here but would you help us to be obedient whether that's to take steps even today to begin caring for foster children, to take that next step that's been sitting on the dining room table to adopt, to walk down the street and take a meal to that neighbor, to pick up the phone and make the the call. Whatever it is, Lord, I I don't know what you're doing in every life here, but I, I do know that you are at work here for a purpose so would you help us to be obedient
Lord, we rejoice and give thanks for so many in this church who have answered that call to adopt or to care for foster children. We'd be remiss if we just didn't thank you for them. We glorify your name as we see you at work in those families' lives. So many in such a small church. Right now, Lord, we lift up um, specifically all of the orphans that remain in the world. From those that are here in our own county, in a foster system, waiting to be cared for, to be brought into a home where they can receive love, kindness, where they can, their, their needs can be met. whether they're around the world and being ministered to by our partners in 25 Project or Naomi's Village. Heavenly Father, you are the good Father. As we pray this morning that you would be um, the Father to the fatherless, that they would experience your goodness in some way, wherever they might be in the world today. just break our hearts even this morning that there are children who do not have homes who do not have parents who do not enjoy just the grace that we have so often enjoyed in our lives and as our hearts are broken for them Lord would you again just compel us to do something not all the same thing but to do something Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would use this time as we've united our hearts together um, to submit to you, to your purposes and your will. Would you let today be just a launching point, a renewal for our faith family to answer the call to care for orphans. Help us to do it faithfully. Help us to do it obediently. Help us to do it sacrificially, considering others greater than ourselves. Thank you so much for this time, Lord Jesus. We pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen. As you can see as you walked in, we're going to receive communion this morning. And I noted that as we receive communion, we're reminded of our adoption as sons and daughters of the Most High God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus instructed us to take communion to remember Him. Um, we often read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to go there in just a moment. But back in Mark chapter 14, Jesus with His disciples at the end of His earthly life shared this, verse 22, And as they were eating, He took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said take this is my body and he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and they drank and they all drank of it and he said to them this is the blood of my covenant which is poured out for many truly I say to you I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine 
until that day when I drink it in the new kingdom of God. We are through Christ. Um, He laid down his life for us. And when we take this little element, this little cracker in this juice, we're reminded of what Jesus did for us um, as he brought us into his family. And so uh, the way we receive communion here at City Church, if you're a guest with us, if you haven't participated before, um, our worship team is just going to begin to or continue to play uh, and and lead us in in song. And you can join in with them, but just you can make your way to one of the sections up here at front or to the side. Uh, You can see gluten-free on either side if you need that. Um, You can uh, pick that up, go to the back and take your elements. And then uh, we'll come back together and we'll receive it. Um, the, the scriptures instruct us, though, that communion is, is reserved not for covenant partners or members of this church, but for people who are children of God, who have submitted to Christ in faith. And so um, the reason that uh, the scriptures instruct out of us is that this is a call to remembrance. See, we're, as we receive this, if you haven't ever participated in this, as we receive these elements, we're remembering what Jesus has done for us. And so if there isn't a time in your life where you're looking back and thinking of what Christ has done, the sacrifice that he made for you, um, then you would be receiving the cup still with guilt upon you. And so Jesus' words would instruct you, even now, repent. Confess your sins before him. Receive of his abundant grace and mercy. In faith, just receive salvation and then come and receive. So you can do that, but take a few moments. If you have not ever put your faith in Christ before, let today be the day of salvation where you do that, where you think about what Jesus has done. And because of that, you come and receive from his table from the, for the first time in faith. Um, this isn't just some religious practice that we do. This is the Holy Spirit of God is present with us as we remember what Christ has done. And so... I just want to invite you, uh, again, you can bow your heads, you can spend some time in prayer as the worship team leads us, you can join in song, but then make your way, grab the elements, and then come back to your seat, um, and we will receive communion together.
cups if you'll all take out the bread again Paul remembering what Christ entrusted to him he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Our salvation sealed with the blood of Christ. That is the new covenant, the new hope. And he closed, As often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I love that reminder. I use it every time we take communion here in this church because it reminds us that as often as we do this, we are reminded that Jesus is coming again. And as he said, I won't drink of it until I do it again in the new kingdom. There will be a day when we are all together in the new kingdom of God, receiving from the Lord's table together. What a miraculous gift that is and a hope that is that we look forward to that day. So we do it in remembrance of what Christ has done. We also do this looking forward to the day when we will have uh, a, a, a feast with Christ forever and ever. 
Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice on the cross, for the new covenant that you gave to us, that you sealed with your blood, and the hope that it gives us as we walk through this world. Again, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to be faithful, to consider that we were not worthy of that sacrifice, and yet you gave it so freely. And so would you just just remind us again that we are called to live lives of constant sacrifice, service, and caring for others, to model you. And so I thank you so much for this church that allow us, that we together as your body go out into the world and we proclaim you. And so would you help us to do that faithfully today and every day of our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we dismiss, I do just want to share with you uh, two, three things about our upcoming calendar so that you're aware of those. Kyle referenced it. We're going to have lunch together right after our 1030 worship gathering. So I just want to invite you to be a part of that. Uh, we are also going to have community night. Some of you have been a part of these here at the building. Next Sunday, we'll gather back here at five o'clock. Um, it, uh, uh, just a time to gather together, bring a friend. That's a great place to bring a neighbor and a friend um, and enjoy uh, some fellowship together. Um, I know it's Thanksgiving week, and so some will be out of town, but some will be here, and you'll have friends in from out of town. And so it's a great place uh, to bring them. And then to save the dates, uh, first, our Disciple Now rally. We are pressing forward in faith and believing that God's going to allow us to have a great Disciple Now for our student ministry. And that rally for the students to get connected and signed up is December 2nd at 7 o'clock right here. All students, please be here at 7 o'clock. Both middle school and high school are invited to be here together at that time. And then, ladies, you have your cozy Christmas party. I don't know exactly what makes it cozy. I assume there's something involving fuzzy socks, maybe some blankets. Um, but be uh, uh, around um, December 6th. That's 6.30 p.m. December 6th. Um, you want to be here for the uh, cozy Christmas party. And again, it's a great place uh, to bring a friend or a neighbor and just allow them to experience the love of Christ. Uh, finally... As we were challenged by Justin and Laura at the table, they're going to be right outside these doors. And so if you want to talk with them about uh, foster ministry or just anything like that, I'm going to put them on the spot. They're going to be outside these doors that you can talk with them. But also on the table outside where that that little uh, roundabout there, uh, there is a form for you to fill out that would allow you to become a babysitter for foster families. And so as we just take one small step of obedience, I would love it if, you know, 50% or I don't know what the number is. I just off the top of my head of our church was, was set up to be foster babysitters uh, for families like the Bexleys. And that's an easy step that we can all take. Um, even I can do that. I can babysit kids. I know that shocks some of you, but I can. All right. And so uh, we can all take that step of obedience and, and, and do that. Um, but there might be other things you want to talk with them about. So love you guys. Thank you so much for being with us online. Uh, family, we miss you. We look forward to seeing you again sometime soon. Y'all have a great day. Thanks for listening to the preaching of God's word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. at 2300 Vineyard Hill Lane, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.